Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris, and it's good to be with you today. All right, so I wanted to do something a little bit different, which is basically to just sort of randomly talk about some notes that I've been taking over the last uh, few weeks, uh, some of which have to do with Bible prophecy, some of which are more just, I guess, preparedness or somewhere along those lines. Um, one of the first things that I've been thinking about this week is... The idea of bugging out versus bugging in. So bugging out is, you know, you got your bug out pack and you 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 go out and you live in the woods or whatever for a while or however you conceive it. But basically you avoid chaos that way. Now, in our situation, um, we have an RV, so there are more options for us. You could do something like what they call boondocking, which is sort of public land. You could find some forestry road or whatever. I've also actually been looking at uh, little plots of land that are, you know, just completely rural that you could just drive in and, and, and park for a couple weeks or what have you and wait out the chaos. And this is an important aspect of bugging out in the way I'm thinking of it because I'm thinking of it as a short-term solution because the more, and I, this hit me pretty hard as I'm looking at some of these properties and thinking, there is no scenario in which me and my wife can think of or prepare enough of things to be able to last for more than two weeks. I mean, once the gas runs out, we're pretty much, you know, goners. Even if we had, like, some other aspect, even if there was, like, a pond that we could fish in, I mean, it's only one aspect of the many things that we need. So it's really a short-term solution. Now, so what that means in our situation is, and not everybody would have the situation, is our house, and we live in a fairly not very populated area, what people, a lot of people would consider a very rural area anyway. But it is still in a neighborhood, and there are other houses there, and etc. But I got to thinking about how much better it would be if I could, if my house was the place, you know, bugging in, right? The alternative of bugging out. Now, a lot of people, this is exactly what you can't do because you live in a city, and no matter basically what happens to avoid the chaos, you pretty much need to get out of the city. But in our situation, because it is rural, and because it's not like the first place anybody's going to go, now we live close to one of the most populated areas in the entire country that is we're about an hour and a half two hours from atlanta um but uh my point here is that our neighborhood which only has one point of ingress egress i guess both that uh actually could be like you could put a blockade there and just recruit some people in the neighborhood to say, hey, where are you going or whatever. And, of course, this is in a terrible situation when there's roving bands of whatever if there is a kind of chaos situation. But but all that, I guess I'm, I'm all over the board here, so I want to talk about a number of things. The first is that ideally I would like to stay in my house and to have um, security in our neighborhood. And in order to do that, you have to band together with your neighborhood or some other community. Uh, but ideally your neighborhood. And I was thinking, what would that look like? Because if we did, in that situation, our neighborhood could probably last uh, a lot longer than two weeks because we could band together. We could probably find people that have different resources and sort of have a little economy going because like, hey, we need 24-hour security. If you're willing to do that, I'm willing to give you food. We've got these people over here taking care of the elderly. We've got these people over here fishing or what have you, you know. Um, I, I, all I'm saying is that I don't see any scenario of any kind of longer-term situation that works with uh without getting a community involved like that and in your neighborhood i also was looking at 
you know, in terms of defending your house, there is probably a scenario in which you board up your windows using what's called HUD spec, using plywood and these kinds of things. It's not a bad thing to look into. You don't have to break any windows or whatever. But it's pretty secure. It's a pretty secure way of making sure nobody can get into your house. And, of course, you would probably lay a board over like an L bracket on your doors. So, you know, that's not going to go anywhere. You can't get in that way. And, and that's probably preferable to bugging out even in a chaotic situation in, mo- in many cases anyway, whether or not you got your neighborhood on board. Let me back up on the neighborhood thing. My plan is I actually have a bit of a plan in this regard. Now, I am both my wife and I are not neighborly folks. We don't uh, talk with our neighbors. And, although we did talk with our other neighbor the other day. But the point is, what I am planning on doing is probably putting a sign up towards the end of the, uh, where everybody sees it in the neighborhood, probably to put up a website or something that just sort of explains the sort of manifesto. <laughs> Obviously, this is a, in case of emergency break glass situation. I'm not planning on doing that anytime soon. But my point is, one way or another, that would be the move in some uh, situations. Now, kind of on that idea of community, this is something I'd been thinking about because we have an RV, as I mentioned, and looking for some places to go. There are a lot of RV parks. What they are, just these little RV communities that they're maybe around a little pond or something, but there's basically just you know a bunch of RVs there. And a lot of them, the private ones, what they do you know, each one has their own hookups or whatever, sewer and, and water and electricity. But a lot of what they do is they have this land they apparently developed into an RV park, but then they sell the individual plots. So whatever it's 30 or so plots that they now sell for whatever, between 40 and $70,000 per pl- plot. Um, now, I don't think that's a great deal for a lot of reasons in terms of something to, 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 to invest in. But I do think that the concept of developing that land and then using it for like-minded community is an interesting idea. So there has been a bit of a trend in the homesteading uh, community on YouTube and whatnot lately that people have recognized that you can't do anything without uh, a bunch of people, any kind of long-term situation. And I just think that that's an interesting concept. If you could build, and it wouldn't have to be RVs, uh, you could build little plots, whether, you know, for tiny houses or what have you or whatever. But it, you know, if you could pool a like-minded community together, it wouldn't even need to be, you wouldn't even need to wait very long. You could buy a fair, you know, it would all be about the good land, you know, buying land that's in a great place that's maybe up against a national forest somewhere, you know, so you've got a great big backyard as it were, uh, or, you know, whatever qualities that you're looking for in land, you could pull together, buy that land now and start developing it fairly cheaply because this concept is a fairly cheap in terms of land development. And if you had a bunch of like-minded people putting it together and working on it and their resources and whatnot, you could probably do other things. You know, I don't know how to tend cattle, but Maybe somebody does, you know, I can get a cow or two out there or whatever. In other words, I think that's a, the best kind of long-term situation is something like that. But the other aspect of that would be that it would mostly be good for short-term stuff. So you could probably sell it to your to your community like, hey, does anybody want to chip in on this idea to so that we can have a place to go in case, you know, whatever really goes bad for two weeks, we could hang out there and support each other or whatever. Not as like, hey, I'm building a commune that will all live there, but uh, you can own a plot in this 
you know, for a pretty minimal amount of money, let's say $10,000 or something like that, you'll have like your own space in this thing and show them like how this is going to be developed and paved or whatever. Um, I don't know. So it could be sold as like, this isn't going to be your permanent residence to your community, but this is just a place that you guys could go. And of course you could also, if it is developed in like a good RV kind of park or just camping area anyway, that's got sort of dual purposes there too. I mean, you really could um, make pretty good money off that because that's, that's one part of the economy that is definitely not going anywhere which is people living in their vans or uh, camping or what have you with the state of the economy, you're probably going to have more hashtag van life going on than you had before. So you could always do this. That's what the future of Airbnb is in my uh, opinion right now. You can hardly find an RV spot. They're all booked up all across the country because it is so popular right now. And that's, that may die down. I don't know, but uh, I certainly know that RV RVs and RV parks are really booming right now. And that part of that is because of coronavirus and, you know, people don't want to fly anymore and all that stuff. All right. So the next thing on my list is kind of tangential to the Mark of the Beast issue, but I think I want to get to it by talking first about the idea of forced vaccinations. Now, the more I think about this, the more I actually don't think that they're going to force vaccinations on people. Trust me, it's coming where they're going to have a vaccine of some kind and it's going to be a major push. But I don't think they're going to force it. And um, what I think that they're going to do first is they're going to put a lot of money into propaganda about it. They're going to make the the dum-dums want it. The dum-dums are going to want it because the dum-dums are going to not want to be ostracized. They believe anything that they're told anyway with propaganda. So they're going to not only believe it, but they're also going to be believe the sort of reverse propaganda, which is that if you don't get it, you are a super baddie and you are making their children sick and granny die. And it's the dum-dums that will cause the sort of go-along-to-get-along people to be like, whatever, okay, I'll get it. If you're going to, like, fight me because I didn't... So then there's a certain segment that will just be shamed into getting it. And we saw that kind of happen with the mask situation, right? Um so it's just propaganda that's going to cause it to be... And really, if you think about it, that's actually somewhat preferable to forcing everybody to get it because you're training people now in this system of of uh, how best to control people. You have to make them feel like it's their own decision. And I think that the propaganda will, will accomplish that for the most part. Now, on the other hand, uh, there are going to be a ton of things that you can't do unless you get the vaccine, right? And that's going to probably get the other, another huge segment of, segment of people will get it uh, to do that. Whether And I don't know how severe that will be. Like, can you fly in a plane? Can you, I don't know what it's going to be, but there will be a lot of things like, do you have the vaccine? Can you prove it? And all this stuff. And of course, all that stuff. You know, it's you need a database. You need all the stuff that you're going to need for your uh, world government set up. And I think that's more to the point of what this is going to be. It's 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 tools for the world government, and this vaccine has always been, and really everything to do with this coronavirus has always been a great way to get everybody to line up to join their world government. And there are a few directions I kind of want to go here, but I think I'll start off with the world government angle. Um, First of all, if you haven't done it already, go to YouTube and check out 
the term the Great Reset and go to the World Economic Forum's website, see people like this Klaus German guy and Prince Charles and, you know, basically a rogues gallery of New World Order guys telling you exactly how they're going to use this coronavirus thing to basically reset the world into a world government. These are no slouches either. These are the people with the power to do it. Um, and they're just as giddy as can be. And really, th- those videos, especially the one with the Klaus guy, I mean, it, it's almost like watching a parody of Dr. Evil petting a cat and telling you his evil plan. But the point is, whether that happens like they want it to or not, world government is coming. It's just where this is all heading. So my point here is that a world government is coming, but it's not necessarily... Uh, I, I. So my thesis here is that while I totally believe a world government is coming and that it is possible that that world government will be immediately seized upon by the Antichrist and all the events that we're looking for in the end times will take place, it is not true, it it does not logically follow that a world government, even a world government that chips its population with an identification number, is the mark of the beast or the antichrist system in other words the new world order is going to do that the new world order is going to set up a world government the new world order is going to tag everybody with uh either maybe not original you know initially actually put a you know chip or something in you but they'll give you a number and you'll be in a database as a world government citizen number you know whatever one million fifty five or something um but I want to again. I, I don't. I hate to be the Bible prophecy podcast that's always erring on the side of caution, and and I I think I do this um, because I am scared that we are going to get uh, faked out. And I'll talk about kind of one aspect where I think that's definitely going to happen here in just a minute, uh, in in the near future. But uh, right now, I just want to point out that, for example, that Christians, in terms of our history, with like the League of Nations after World War One or the United Nations after World War Two, that was huge in Christian circles. There's books written about like, well, I mean, Jesus will come back tomorrow. I mean, the League of Nations is here. Uh, you know, the and of course, and you put Hitler into the mix and the United Nations into the mix, and you've you've got a very uh, uh, committed uh, group of people at that time, the, the literalists that existed that said, hey, this is the end times. We've got a Hitler. We've got a United Nations. Is there literally anything else that we need? But we know, of course, it wasn't the end times. So my point here is that a world government, we don't know the future. We don't know the ebbs and flows of this situation. All we know is the signs that Jesus told us to look for. All we know is the signs that uh, John was given in Revelation and the other things that we've been revealed in Scripture. That's all we know of the things that we are supposed to, in fact, commanded to watch for. But other than that, we don't know how the history is going to go down. And it may be that a world government with a chipped population exists for a thousand years before Jesus comes back. It could be that. That could be true is all I'm, I'm trying to say here. Now, at the other end of that, if I see even an iota, uh, even if, look, even if I'm not reading anything right about the timeline of Bible prophecy, maybe I'm wrong. There doesn't need to be a covenant made with Israel and then 
uh, you know, three and a half years of consolidation of power up until an abomination of desolation event and the resurrection of the Antichrist and the false prophet causing everybody to get a mark and great persecution and all that. So maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong about all this. Maybe really the only thing I'm supposed to watch for is somebody giving me something that says I can't buy or sell unless I don't have that thing. Maybe that's really the way to read it. And I'll tell you, if somebody told me to get a tattoo out of context and said, this tattoo has 666 on it, you have to have it to buy or sell. Even with no other context, I'd have to be like, well, I guess I'm wrong. I mean, that, I mean, I'm not going to do that. And that's probably the mark of the beast. I don't know. I don't know why, but it has to be because it's just too obvious. So I'm not going to get anything. I'm certainly not going to get a chip. I'm not going to get a vaccine. I'm not going to be a good world government citizen if I have a choice about it. But I'm just saying that those things are not necessarily uh, the end times. It could be. Now, here's some things, some counter arguments to that. It could be. We, we know the Antichrist has a world government. Uh, well, I mean, at least we can imply it because uh, he forces everybody, small, great, rich, poor, et cetera, et cetera, implies the whole world will get the mark of the beast. So that implies world government. Certainly everybody in the world, small, great, whatever, the same kind of terms. I think the terms are used again. But anyway, everybody in the world is forced to worship the image of the beast, which again implies a world government. So it's not explicitly stated, but it is a very reasonable uh, supposition. Obviously, it would do good to be wary of the actual implementation of a world government because it might be that as soon as the bureaucracy or whatever of a world government was set up by the world, immediately after that, uh, the levers would then be put in place and all the things that we're told to look for happen. And essentially Satan just takes control of that system after it is built for him. So it could be that though we're not seeing the signs leading up to the world government being made, as soon as it is made, then Satan sort of uh, uh, does his thing and, and, and the end times th then begin. So that could be an option. I will say that the concept of like a thousand years of whatever we're going into seems unlikely. And part of my guess about that is it just seems like we're getting to a place um, that's just sort of unprecedented in terms of, I don't know, I have to be careful when I say things like that. You say, well, people are more evil today. And I've made the point was like, well, people were always evil. They were sacrificing babies to Moloch in Bible times. They were always anti-Christian, killed Christians in the streets. It's not like they're more anti-Christian now. So what do I mean when they say the world has been is worse? And I don't really know what I mean by that. I do know that the 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 way that you control people now is more the tools are better and that kind of thing. But really that's not an argument for it necessarily being the end times. It just means that it's going to be a very efficient world government. That's not going to allow people to, to, to dissent, uh, very easily. Uh, one thing I was thinking with regard to that is an interesting sort of difference between other, uh, revolutionary takeovers and that kind of thing. Cause I mean, you, you always have the revolutionaries do basically the same kind of things, but this is an interesting difference in that the revolutionaries in America this time, are not pro-America. It's the first time I, I think that you revolutionaries are not patriotic. And I think that's just a function of their, their, their propaganda and the funding of the, the chaos was always to, to give the, the spoils of this over to the world government, which obviously means that they can't be overthrowing a government to like, now we'll rule this world and the, the great America under our own rules. No, they're planning on just getting rid of America and going to the world government. Uh, so that's why that's the first uh, revolutionaries that have no uh, uh, allegiance to the country. They're revolutionizing. Anyway, sort of off the subject there. So 
back to the vaccines and to this issue that I was talking about that I think we're going to get duped uh, because of this sort of, you know, my wife said the other day when she was looking something about vaccines and it, it had this acronym about CHIP, C-H-I-P. It was like something, children, hospital, something, but it was associated with that. And she was like, are they like trolling Christians here? Like trying to make them think it is CHIP. I mean, it didn't have anything to do with a CHIP or whatever, but it was associated with vaccines. And while I don't think that probably was the case with the thing that she was talking about, I do think that they are trolling Christians a lot with this. The thing that keeps getting me is this idea that Bill Gates and vaccines and chips, I mean, it's almost like a belief that people have in the Christian world, like genuine, good Christians, Bible-believing Christians that you would expect better of think that Bill Gates is about to chip everybody with a vaccine. I've looked into all the different areas of this. He is planning, look, he. this is totally nefarious. As I said, this is all part of a big number of things converging here eugenics and world government and digital ids and all this stuff that's absolutely necessary for world government but the idea that there is a chip in the vaccine that is the mark of the beast is not true but it is incredibly believed by the christian community and even if it wasn't you know christians don't know much about this and just the buy or sell thing particularly i mean i honestly can't believe that there are christians that believed that the mark of the beast was the mask and their only criteria for that obviously they're not wearing it on the right hand or forehead literally they were so biblically illiterate that it was just the fact that you can't go to walmart without having one and you know certainly you can buy or sell on amazon or a million other places besides walmart or whatever but it was just that just that hint of that made certain christians think that it's the mark of the beast now now imagine that is with a vaccine again you're still going to have the problems it's not going to be in your right hand or forehead but they're going to put it in your arm and they're going to even if they just say you can't fly or just some or you can't do something go to a baseball game or something without it uh just some restriction about buying or selling will be enough and really i don't even think you need that a certain segment of the Christian world, the good, well-meaning Christian world is going to not take this vaccine because they're going to insist it's the mark of the beast. And they're going to say it loudly and proudly and dumbly, unfortunately. So what's going to happen is the previous propaganda push that I mentioned, which they're going to put a lot of money in, talk about shame, mask shaming on steroids is what this vaccine is going to be about. So the people that don't take the vaccines are the worst people in the world. They're putting everybody at risk. We could all go back to normal if it wasn't just for these people that were, for dumb reasons, you know, not taking the vaccine. And then on the other hand, you're going to have video after video after video of Christians saying pretty much what I'm about to say. Bill Gates put a chip in the vaccine. He's trying to control our minds. None of which are true. None of which, all of which are easily going to be provable wrong. Now, it is true Bill Gates is trying to put us into world government, probably kill off, kill off a huge segment of the population and, uh, and all the other bad stuff that's associated with that. But he's not putting a chip in the vaccine trying to control your mind, and it's not the mark of the beast. And so in combination with the propaganda and the provably wrong theory, it's going to absolutely cause everybody to loathe Christians. I've always waited for the time when this wasn't just about conservatives. I mean, it was, it was kind of the underpinning of a lot of the hatred of conservatives going on out there. Certainly Trump isn't a Christian or anything, but it's just sort of like all the, the systems that they're building is all about non-tolerant. You know, the, people aren't tolerant. It's all, it's a system built for Christians, right? Christians, um, you know, the idea is that they're not tolerant of all this stuff. And it's really 
when when they turn the eye of Sauron on Christians, the whole system that they've built, the the, the gospel of the left will all make sense and it will essentially be all the Christian's fault. Because here's the, here's the thing I was thinking about the other day. So they say, oh, you can't be, uh, you know, black or, or whatever and then also be a Republican. It's just, it, it's very hard for them to understand. But when they look deeper at somebody that's like, how, why is this black person a Trump supporter or whatever? And they might find that there seems to be an under, underpinning that they're Christians. Oh, Okay, so you can't. So it really, it's not about being black. It's about being Christian. It's about being brainwashed into whatever. So th- it's not going to be hard for them to make the connection to everything that they really hate, all the things that they've been trained to hate. Really, it's it's not the fault of the Republicans as much as it is just the Christians. And if in the in the context of one of the greatest psyops of all time about this vaccine, which again, I don't think they're going to force on us. They're going to just make this the worst psyop you've ever seen and it's going to all come back to Christians it's going to come all back to this Bill Gates's chippiness mark of the beast thing all right I don't really even know if I said what I wanted to say there but I'll move on to my next note which says defund the police means bad cops so what this is referring to is the idea so Hitler if you read the early days of Hitler and really it carried on into I can't remember actually his secret police or the people that like went into people's houses and were like what you know uh, show us your papers kind of people that was later on but the early guys his guard I guess it's the SS uh, anyway they were all rogues like they were well known for just being really bad people felons just the worst of the worst people and they would shake people down I mean they were just terrible thugs especially in the early days of the Nazi party you know when it was just another political party in Germany and all this stuff when he was sort of consolidating all that stuff he one of the greatest tools that he had was this just rogues that would do anything for him and um, that became a really important part later on you needed these people that would do the things that Hitler was asking them to do go in and take people and put them on trains and that carried on over to the concentration camps and the rest of it you need really morally bad people to do a lot of the things that that are going to be required of them to do and if we are going into a world government and just like any other major socialist thing it'll be the greatest socialist experiment of all time in fact um, any socialist government needs to to put its detractors in concentration camps and take their gold and do a whole bunch of other stuff so they're going to need some bad people if you're especially if you're going to take your guns do you think the modern police force is going to go take anybody's guns no you're going to have a revolt they're going to say no i'm not going to do that and all this other stuff there the defund the police idea and the the complete top-down weird non-support for police is to first of all go ahead and get the people that are good just to retire i mean if they're anywhere close to retiring age right now they're like okay i'm out this isn't going anywhere good it's certainly not causing anybody to, to join up <laughs> on the police force in any of these places, but that's an interesting aspect of this. And I need to confirm this, but I saw a news story the other day that they were now, because of the shortage of, of new recruits and police officers, they were hiring, they changed the, the rules to allow convicted felons to be hired in the police uh, force. So in the new system, trust me, it's not going to be a police-free system. We're going into a police state in which police will be a prominent part, uh, ironically enough, or not so ironically enough. The difference is that they will be jack-booted thugs, convicted felons. It'll be one of the only jobs that are like f- secure, right? 
uh, to to be a part of this force. It'll have a new stigma, a new name, probably. I don't know. Whatever they'll do, but they won't be the good-hearted, protect and serve people in the culture of, of 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 cops that are out there. I mean, obviously, there's good cops and bad cops, and some people do it for the power and whatever. But a lot of people do it for uh, altruistic reasons, and I'd probably guess they were the majority, or at least I'd like to think so. Anyway, so I think that the, the defund the police thing is a top-down idea to begin the transition from good cops to bad cops. This last one probably isn't true, but I thought I'd go ahead and say it because it, you know, I think a lot of um, you know you you think about not taking a vaccine or these kinds of things, um, but I bet one of the things that Satan seems to have done is he's really good at the carrot and the stick. So I think of this in terms of the people that are in, in higher ups in government and stuff like that and, and, and media and entertainment or whatever. There, from my understanding, there's, there's kind of a two, double-edged sword. On the one hand, you don't rise to power like that unless you can be compromised in some way. You have to be a pedophile. You have to be some in some way majorly compromised because they know they need to know that this person is never going to to go against us because we have that awful thing against him. That's the one thing that that's the that's the stick. You go against us, look what we get to to expose about you. You go to jail forever, probably be executed, you're the worst person ever. Um but on the on the other hand is the carrot, an overemphasized carrot. This person also gets great power, lots and lots of money. So it's like you have a major carrot, lots of fame and fortune, power, and a major stick. There's always there's they tend to be very uh, very big like that. I think to some extent the the Antichrist deal in the end times is kind of like that. You have a very terrible stick. Well, if you're not part of us, well, we will hunt you down and brutally torture and kill you. Um, but if you do be with us, I mean, you do have to worship this guy that's, you know, he's really great anyway. Have you noticed how great he is? But, I mean, you notice all the great things that he's done and all that stuff. So you got the that, but you also have the plus you get to enjoy the fruits of the utopia, you know. And I think that's, you know, the people buy, uh, it says that the people up before the day of the Lord... They're eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage right up into the day or, you know, of the uh, before the day of the Lord, uh, before the wrath of God is finally uh, released. And I think that that's where that comes in, is that the carrot in the Antichrist system, when it does, uh, you, you don't want to be associated with the, with those terrible Christians. Have you heard how terrible they are? I've heard some great rumors about how awful they are. I turned my mom in because I, she was a Christian and I couldn't let that go on. Um so, but on the other hand, you're eating and drinking, marrying and giving a marriage and having a wonderful time in a, in a utopia if you could just get rid of these other guys. So where was I going with this? So, yeah, so the carrot and the stick in this, you know, probably get the vaccine or other aspects of this coming world government will be similar to that. And I think that debt forgiveness is going to be a part of it. So the economic, if you've been in any way following the economic situation, it is, it is a mystery as to what anybody thinks is happening here. I mean, I know that on the one hand, there's no mathematical way to pay any of this back. Everybody knows it. Uh, we are we're off the rails printing this, but it's not just us, it's everybody. Everybody is in the world, central banks have just gone crazy printing this money. Now, 
that means what I think some level of debt forgiveness has to happen, obviously. I think that's actually part of the Great Reset. Is When I first heard about the term Great Reset, it was always in economic terms. We go to a new digital currency. All this stuff happens and takes place. It probably gold-based or whatever. I don't know. Whatever, however they do it, it will be reset. And in order to do that, a lot of debt forgiveness is going to have to happen. To the level of which that debt forgiveness happens, I think will convince a lot of people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. In other words, that the level of debt that Americans and other people in the world have gotten themselves into is going to probably be the carrot to get them to do the thing that they want them to do. Join the world government, get your debt forgiven, take the vaccine, get your debt forgiven. I don't know. Whatever the thing is that they want them to do, debt forgiveness will probably be a major part of that. And it's going to be a hard carrot to resist for a lot of people, I think. And so this this monetary policy starts to make a little bit of sense. And so how does debt forgiveness work at every level? I was thinking about that too, because if you forgive the individual debts, even up into mortgages and every kind of loan that you've got, um, I don't know. I mean, first, it's a massive redistribution of wealth to those people that could afford mortgages in the first place. Uh, which could cause some problem. But I think that even the people that couldn't afford mortgages would still be happy to have their debt forgiveness uh, of their credit cards and their student loans or whatever else they had. On the other end, I'm pretty sure a lot of the banks that had been given out those loans, those mortgages and all that other stuff, because the Federal Reserve actually owns all the mortgages, are starting to own all the mortgages now because that's what they're buying, the mortgage-backed securities and all the stuff. Uh, they are the largest land owner in the country for sure maybe the world i don't know uh the federal reserve is now my point is is that they have the ability to forgive that kind of debt but even the banks if the banks were themselves forgiven debt then they could afford to forgive everybody else's debt because they're up to their necks in debt too now they're invested in, in world situations and world economies bank of america for instance probably has all kinds of holdings outside of america chase bank or whatever but if this is a world government that we're talking about, so this is an international monetary fund, World Economic Forum situation where everybody's on board all across the world, everybody forgives everybody's debt, let's go to this new economic system, it could work. It could work. All right, so that's all I had. I do want to give a quick update with the film project. Um, I am getting close to being done. I'm working... Uh, all day, every day, it seems like, on it. Uh, took the time off to do this podcast today. But other than that, I pretty much haven't been doing anything else. I haven't been answering emails. If you have emailed me, I'm sorry. I didn't get to you. I've read it. I've read the email. I appreciate them. But uh, I just haven't been able to really get back with anybody on uh, anything, hardly. But I am on pace to get it done at the end of the month, to get it released at the end of the month, which was the goal. It's going to be tight, but I am on pace to do it. Lord willing, that will happen. So anyway, thanks to everybody that helped with the film. I can't wait for it to be out of my head and onto the Internet so everybody can see it and share it, and, and hopefully we can make an impact with uh, the film. So, All right, so thank you for sticking around, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.